0: To another episode of the state of the Arts podcast where we speak to creatives from across culture that are based in the north of England. This is now our sixth episode of the podcast and features the second in our panel event series Culture Matters. For this panel event we're looking at how the nightlife industry both in the north and in the UK has got through lockdown and how it's going to bounce back over the coming months and years we enlisted an incredible panel from DJ Paulette, the Manchester-based iconic DJ, um, Harcourt Bob who's involved with the Music Venue Trust and works with loads of venues in York. Uh, We've got Gemma Crisco, who heads up We Are Indigo PR and is involved with the Escape to Freight Island venue. And then we've also got Anton Stevens, who um, works in the team that run Hidden, one of the most popular clubs in Manchester. It was a fascinating chat talking about the future of clubbing, but also how on earth we've all got through the past year without it. However, it did leave us very excited for all the months of dancing and raving that are to come now. We hope you enjoy listening back to this recording of a very special event from the state of the arts. I think the first thing we should discuss and the first question I want to put to our panellists is... Really simple, um, you know. What has got you through the past year? And I guess you could look at this in two senses. One, you know, what has kept you excited personally, kept you motivated, and um, kept you looking forward to the day when all of this would finally come to an end. And then, in the other sense, what were the support networks in place and all of the um, the available resources that helped you and your organisations get through this time and made a real difference and um, yeah, who would like to kick us off today?
1: I'll go first.
0: Great, go on I took
1: a lot. Um, what's got me through? Loads of chocolate, therapy, healthy minds, Very yeah, <laughs> hit the wall in May, um, was really, really super struggling and thank God for the NHS and um, being able to get help when I needed to get help you know I have to admit that everybody has their vulnerability and their limits so yes most definitely therapy and counselling got me through this lockdown also music more than anything else you know um music pulled me all the way through radio shows I didn't think I was going to do it because at the beginning I had a complete like meltdown um, so getting back into my music was definitely um, very much a helping hand up and out of the big black hole, and yeah, that's answering question one.
0: For you guys, music as well, obviously must have been a big one.
2: Yeah, like for um, for myself, you know, I, th- I think similar things like starting to. Well, in terms of self-care, like, you know, meditating, trying to like treat myself a bit better, be kinder to myself. has really been a big journey for me over the past year or so. But then, yeah, music in a big way. Um, Seeing how musicians have been adapting, promoters as well, venues as well, in terms of entering into a slightly unknown world for all of us in terms of streaming, Um, obviously it started out in just people's living rooms and then as the pandemic's gone on we've kind of seen more and more kind of professional type things and everything in between as well Um, being able to watch like concerts or DJ sets has kind of like kept you kind of in touch with that thing that I think we're all missing so much and even though it hasn't really it can't really stand up next to the like the real life experience of it you know it's a bit like methadone it's like not quite the hit we want but um excuse the analogy
1: yeah nice but, analogy.
2: <laughs> but um you know it has it has got it's, it's got us through and you know personally for me as well we started doing um uh you know the venue we, the crescent that we're we're based at over here in york We started doing um, streams for our regular kind of resident DJs and so on every Saturday on Twitch and really just like how grateful they were as well for the opportunity to be able to dust off some records that they hadn't touched in like a year or so. And just being able to provide that for them has really kind of helped us get through it mentally as well, you know. So I think venues, promoters, we're always outlets for... um, other people's expression as well as our own so being able to provide that in some form um even though it's not what we're used to in terms of the volume or the ambition or whatever um it is it is really healthy as well yeah
1: mm-hmm.
3: i think for for me i mean i i started this process of the one woman fight against covid it took me quite a while to accept what was happening mm-hmm. to me and my clients um, and to my business and then On a personal level, my husband was really poorly with it. I mean, really, really poorly right at the beginning of of the first wave. So, but I was still fighting for the business. I mean, as I explained to Will before, you know, I had Matthew upstairs really poorly and I had Willow in a high chair and I was on a call with Warehouse Project and High Sobriety planning a show that we knew was never going to happen, but nobody wanted to admit at that point that it was um, not happening. So There was this sort of... At first, it was a bit. It took me a while to sort of give into it, and then I think after that, you know, for us as a business, we we had the capacity um, and also the will and the contacts to try and get the support that the industry needed. So we were very heavily involved with the We Make Events stuff. You know, mm. Paulette and I walked, yeah, in tears down Oxford Road. Didn't yeah, we, together. Yeah, um, we
1: did. We did
3: pushing, pushing the fly cases down. Yeah, it was it. It was an amazing but. Horrible moment because it's not something that you would ever think that you would need to do. Yeah. But then on a positive, you know, I I had um, feedback all the way from Ibiza with the Emmeline Pankhurst high vis picture that we did. Mm. Someone was sh- somebody showed it me and I was like, we did that, and it had reached all the way outside of this country and it had mm. spread. So we, I, I think that you know our determination and and, and everything has kept me going and not giving in at any point because that is not something that we were prepared to do. And I suppose as well, in the middle of it all, the success story was places like Escape to Freight Island, which yeah. just gave a bit of life and a bit of vibes and a bit of positivity. And we put a story out last year, you know, a thousand people were given employment at some capacity in that space, whether it be, you know, my PR company or a, or an artist or a DJ or I a was team. one of them. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. And 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 it was I think that That single-handedly kept me going and gave me hope. But yeah, it's been a tough all ride. But you know, today, sort of coming through the other side, like the beginning of the end, I've been stood on a site with the UCF team doing a rave a week on Friday, and I just, I just think it's it's an, it's an incredible moment, and hopefully that is the beginning of the end of all of this. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. You said something there, Gemma, which has very much been a um one of the signatures of my year of lockdown as well is that how much how much it actually made me um become a lot more politically active than I've ever been before in my life it whether it was backing up self-employed people and making sure we got our grants because right from the get-go I said this government are going to shaft us and I was straight away like on Twitter on Twitter on Twitter on all of the social media like adding in all the politicians what are you doing about self-employed what are you doing about self-employed and it took months before we even got any activity about them saying whether they were going to give self-employed people any help or support at all and Um, Then behind that, with all the things that happened, whether it was with George Floyd and with sexual misconduct, and I found myself becoming involved in initiatives behind the scenes, whether it's through the Musicians Union or the NTIA, I started to get really involved in um, what can we do to bolster up this industry that the government is trying to say isn't viable but which is one of the biggest money earners for the UK economy
3: yeah well doing that um the the protest that we did in Manchester and then there was the more activity that took place a few months later when they went to parliament and stood outside Mm. the feedback that I've had from so we didn't organize the we were the we make events. We were the PR team behind that to make sure that media were covering it. So mm. we were the voice piece of what was going on. So I had some feedback um, after, because like, you know you do all these things and you think, and what happened then? You know we never yeah. get sort of three hundred and sixty feedback, even in normal life with normal clients, we very rarely get that. But I got um a call from from Steve from Viking, and he said. That he he believes that the work that we did collectively across the country, not just we are in, but everybody together, you know, standing together about um, this cause, meant that the Arts Council then started looking at the Cultural Recovery Fund, and, yeah. it, and that was the three hundred and sixty that came back. Now we didn't get that funding; we applied for it, and mm-hmm. you know, we will try again, third time lucky. We may or may not get it, but to know that 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 there was a there was a, a the the consequence of that action was positive and has helped a lot of people you know it's something that I will forever be very proud of with everybody yeah
1: Yeah. and I would say it's a massive result for all of us like getting involved and trying to help people Mm. and not actually you know actually realizing that yeah we're on lockdown but we're all in this together and it would be better and beneficial for us all if we helped each other out and it's That's really my answer. I,
2: I, I think no. just to kind of expand on that, like um, I think what's what's really come to light as a result of all this is that, you know, the government had a view of us just as being an industry. Right. And in their calculations, it was like, are they viable or not? And what we really saw was the result of this is not just an industry. This is a community. Mm. And the community really stood by each other, I think, on the whole. Like you had, um, you know, artists standing by the sound engineers who were mm. standing by the venues, who was sat, you know, and, and the recognition that we're not just a kind of industry, a networked industry as such, but a real community. And as, as important as all those people who are kind of working within, within the industry was the support from um, the audience as well. You know, the general public, the ravers, the people who go to gigs, the, you know, people who buy music from the musicians and so on. Supporting whether it's like through crowdfunders, like the Save Our Venues campaign, or through writing letters to their MPs, or supporting demonstrations that happens. Um, I think so much of what has actually been inspiring about this is the way that people have pulled together in order to say, like, this is what we need in order to get through. Now, I think when the dust settles, there's some real questions to be asked around, um, you know, like, not just CRF and how that was distributed around, um, but also around, like, the way we kind of view the cultural and creative industries Mm -hmm. and how valuable they are. And, you know, I, I can think back to, like, five, well, as long as I've been alive, the media has banged on and on about like fishing, which is this mm. tiny, tiny, tiny piece of the economy. And we've been so undervalued, mm. um, not just economically, but in terms of what we bring to, you know, life in this country, um, people's mental health and so on. So I think that we, we're now in a position where we've been able to slightly influence that conversation. And, um, you know, conversations like this that we're in now, they need to kind of, continue happening at pace so we can kind of seize um the moment as it were um, and try and like continue this this focus moving forward
0: hmm. well, I was gonna ask guys um if you've um, ob- obviously like what you were talking about sort of m- makes me think that you already have a, um an idea of how the creative industries and your work was viewed before the pandemic before lockdown and before you had to cope with you know a long period of time without funding without um any obvious support for for you guys without any work and do you feel like you learned anything new either from the number of people that have shown support and the number of tickets you're now selling or the number of people that are actually coming out to say yeah we've really missed you or from the government's kind of dismissal of well failure to acknowledge what you guys were going through has you has it in um sort of confirmed what you already thought you knew about pete how people view your industry and view your roles or has it taught you something new about it i mean i don't know anton obviously you're you're putting on some reopening events for hidden i don't know if you want to sort of talk about how how it feels getting the feedback that you're getting from the tickets flying out or if you already sort of saw that coming
4: yeah um to be honest we were we were um pretty active during the periods that we were closed so obviously we set up the radio station we were finding ways to there's only so many throwback videos you can put out there before it gets a bit a little bit stale oh. but we, you know we we, 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 we churned them out we were we were hitting people with, you know who remembers this one and old pictures and old this mm. and all that so we kind of always had like a rough gauge on on the feedback just because of our output was, was, you know, it was pretty consistent throughout. So if we were, you know, if we were inundated with real positive comments. we were getting, you know, more sort of interaction than we usually would. And we kind of all felt um, confident that when we did get to a point of having some, some kind of green light that we would have been well-received. And thankfully we were as well. So, yeah, I mean, for me, if anything, it's more of a confirmation of that. And, you know, we've got a really sort of, um, good uh mixture of, prom- of promoters that sort of have their own sort of low crowds and it's not just kind of all on us it's not really all on us to make hidden what it is it's made up of all the different people we work with like um hit and run and homo electric and everybody else that sort of makes us makes us a whole so yeah i felt i feel like we, we had enough within especially the manchester community to sort of see us through this and make sure that we were um we were going to hit the ground running once things were made more clear
1: Mm. It's really interesting listening to what everybody said here, because um, it seems like one of the biggest lessons that has come out of it for all of us is how to embrace that community and how to support the community and actually the realisation that it's not just an industry with economic, um, you know, economic concerns, but that it's people places and community that we're talking about and I think that's the difference between how the government views our industry and how we view our industry because we view it as community and the government looks at it as pound shillings and pen well not even shillings that yeah. that's because pre-decimal, that. that's pre-decimal but yeah
2: They don't know how to rave or that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I I agree. Yeah. They don't listen
1: to music. Oliver Dowden,
2: you know, he's the culture secretary. He's never been to a gig in his life. You know,
1: it's frightening. It's really frightening. And more frightening as well was that that tipping point where they put out the gov.uk advert for, you know, they. It was an old advert, but it resurfaced about you know Fatima retraining in oh, IT, God. Oh, that
4: and that thing.
1: moment was the worst because it was that realization for all of us that yeah, it's not it. that simple yeah. as yeah. retraining because these jobs that we've got are, take years to get good and at. So uh, yeah, you
3: know, I mean, I don't know how public this. Um, this is going to be, but I've been on some very, have had some very senior conversations around the circus pilot. You know, I've been speaking to senior people in government, directors of comms, and you know, I feel like I feel like ringing them up and asking them would they like me to train them and give them some advice <laughs> to, uh, to do their job because there are some fundamental things that my team, after working with me for a day, would know mm. more than they seem to know. And I think, I i mean, I've never gone down the conspiracy theory route. That's not, that's not what I'm interested in at all. But I did sometimes think, are they doing this to throw us off the scent of this? Yeah. yeah. No, they are disorganized,
1: have yes. no idea,
3: are totally not connected to culture. And it's like, you know, the blind leading the blind when it comes to these sorts of things. And this process, it, it's made me realize how, you know, the wrong people in our in our government are in the wrong job. And that is the problem. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It is, I mean, it's actually actually really terrifying that with and it was I think it was Rishi Sunak who actually denied saying it, but I watched the him on the news. I think it was Good Morning Britain when he said that creatives should think about getting mm. another job. You know, retraining and getting another job. I saw it with my own eyes, and it is that easy and that quick to actually take a like a virtual scimitar and lop off a whole sector like that with a simple phrase like that and it isn't that simple for a dancer for a um sound engineer for a a videographer for a cameraman for a promoter for a you know even right down to security and cloakroom and everything it's not that simple you know it really wasn't that simple and it was just that realization that really the government haven't got a clue what it takes to run hospitality
3: yeah and and I think I think what it has done I think you know when you take something away, it's that saying isn't it? You don't know what you've got till it's gone.
1: Yeah, true.
3: I think main like mainstream people took for granted what was there, what was available to them when they chose to have it, whether that be live music, raves, whatever, and they didn't really understand the infrastructure and the hard work and the graph that goes behind putting these types of events and, and experiences on. And then when you start to remove that and people have been in isolation and they realise what they took for granted has gone, I think there will be a better support generally from the general public to enable us to get back to what we want to do. And I think I can feel that through the media response from the circus pilot. There's more interest in this than anything else I've ever done. And I think these journalists are A, sick of writing about negative things and COVID, and B, want to go on a bloody good night themselves, you know, mm. realise that they need to support, there needs to be a better narrative in order for them to go and live the life that they want to live. But by removing it, maybe we'll see, there'll be more support from media overall, um, and they'll understand what's going on behind the scenes and understand how important it is to culture.
1: Well, and I think They might, it...
3: not, they might forget. <laughs>
1: Who knows? I... I do. I mean, I think it's really, um, you know, one of the most striking things about this um, rave, the, the 5,000 people rave in Liverpool, is that it's not just like, it really isn't just like a window so that people can see how it is that clubbing and hospitality can be run post- lockdown but it is also a window for the world like the world is looking at what happens now because there are so many countries that are still in lockdown that are still saying it's not possible France is almost impossible to do anything most of my, my most of my friends who are DJs and promoters in France have been completely out of work completely unsupported for the last 14 to 15 months so everybody is looking at what happens Worldwide, people are looking at what happens in Liverpool next week.
2: I'm actually a bit frustrated that we haven't got to this point sooner. We've seen Mm. test events in a lot of other countries, um, you know, and I feel like actually we had good opportunities to base some of the restrictions that have been put on, you know, uh, promoters, venues and so on, to actually test them scientifically rather than working on assumptions. We're now a year into this. Yeah. You know, and it's only but, just now coming to a point where we're having test events. Like, yeah. actually, I think we're a bit behind the curve.
1: And yeah, the- but don't forget the variants and the vaccine. And you yeah. know, we've we've th- those two things have got to come into play as well. So I think that's where it's happened so much later. because could have
3: done something maybe last summer, but it, with all every- it was just like this, everyone was just finding their feet bit by bit. And then as mm. we were finding our feet, then more challenges presented themselves. So there was
2: yeah.
3: A, yeah. I think what I'm
2: referring to is the period just, you know, into the summer and then into September and so on. Mm. We had mm. a lot of restrictions put on. OK, if you're going to do a gig, these are the, you know, you can't have people sing a lot. Yeah. You can't have people dancing. Yeah. You can't have, yeah. You know, and so on. A, a lot of it has been, I think, really based on assumptions. We had lots of opportunities then to try different things. And I'm not talking 5,000 pe- people per person raid. Obviously, that's massively ambitious. I'm very pleased it's happening now. But actually, we had tons of venues across the country trying a lot of different things and learning a lot of different things in that process. Mm. And amongst ourselves, we were often sharing best practice with each other. I just think that sometimes that it wasn't taken up to the highest levels to actually inform what, the, what the, um, the overall policy should be. And the perfect example of that was the curfew that was put in place. Oh, Anyone in our industry could have told them, well, I think actually did tell them repeatedly, What a stupid idea kicking everyone out at the same time was. Yeah, why were they not (laughs) using that experience and building on that experience? That's what I'm kind of getting at
3: here. Mm. Someone who's never been out in their entire life decided that was a good idea. Um, Yeah. You no, know, that's yeah. that, that was
1: ridiculous. Somebody who's never had to wait for a taxi in their life, somebody yeah, who's exactly. never had to get a metro metro link in the live back home. Somebody who's never had to wait for a coat in the cloakroom when oh. everybody is all waiting for the coat in the cloakroom. If they want it social distance, surely.
0: <laughs> one of the um one of the questions we had um sent in earlier, guys, was um somebody asking whether you think venues are going to have to basically have fully outdoor settings now and they're just gonna to have to adapt so that um it's not just you know you can only do stuff in the summer you have to have like all year round outdoor settings as well um but I mean I guess the broader question is like what precautions do you now think you're gonna to have to do regardless of what how the pilot goes? Are there things that you're already thinking about we're gonna to have to change this in the format, in the structure and the way that the rooms fix, the way that people come in and out. What are you guys already thinking about with how the venue's going to work?
2: Like, can I can I come in, just because, you know, my venue doesn't have an outdoor space. You know, mm. I struggle with smokers, not like in a moral sense, but like, um, you know, <laughs> if we're doing a late night here, like a club night, I've got neighbours about, you know, I haven't got a beer garden. I've not been able to take advantage of the like nice weather we're now kind of blessed enough to experience. And I'm really glad for them operators who do have a beer garden, you know, and prom- so... So grateful for it at the moment because it's their one lifeline at the moment, right? But I think we can't trap ourselves into thinking like this is the only way um, events are going to be able to happen. We have mm. to be able to transition towards events mm. happening indoors because the, the 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 frankly, we can't have just raves outdoors all the time. The neighbours will have a fit.
3: No, you know, you know? You know the, this study though, um, and this is the bit that's not been uh, publicized yet. I don't believe, and Anton probably will know more about this than me with your indoor venue is that part of the study of the uh, the pilot is to show movement of people. So mm-hmm. um, like bottlenecks of venues, for example, where people... So what what the, the government have said is that they're trying to avoid now in venues the party in the kitchen type um, mm. uh, uh, interaction. So there's spots within a venue where everyone kind of congregates. So I think part of this study that's happening over the next weekend is to track people... Um, body move, body heat and movement to see where those touch points are. And then I'm hoping, and I don't know if this is this is not confirmed information, but I'm guessing that they're gonna use that test to sort of say to venues such as yourself, Anton, right. These are, the, these are the areas to watch out for. This is where it potentially might spread a bit more, you know, the party in the kitchen type thing. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, have you had any guidance, Anton, on Rio? Nope. No,
4: no, no, nothing. We're kind of like waiting to see how you guys get on with that event. <laughs> this,
2: is, this is the other frustrating thing, right? Is actually a lot of this stuff is, you know, somewhat obvious. Um, but we're not actually seeing at the moment we're in like step two or, you know, and we're coming up to step three. I think it is something like that. But we're not seeing any changes in, say, the performing arts guidance. Right. Until a week before the, the country actually makes a transition to the next mm-hmm. step. So this is really difficult if you're a venue, if you're a promoter and you're trying to figure out how you're going to put on a show. You, obviously, I need to announce it. I need to put tickets on sale but what restrictions am I actually working with here? What restrictions am I dealing with? So that's another thing. I think one area that I'd like to see more on that there's been research done in other countries is the effects of um, like how we could look at our ventilation systems Mm -hmm. and air conditioning systems. I don't think there's been enough of a focus on that, like particularly around like um, UV scrubbing uh, in ventilation systems. There's some really interesting stuff. Just to jump
4: in there though, sorry to cut you off there, but I mean, obviously we've got... um... A venue which utilizes ventilation, but the reason why we haven't got the ventilation which would be ideal for us all across the rest of the space is just because of the costs involved so i think a lot mm-hmm. of this obviously it sounds it sounds great from um from you know the, the idea of if you had an unlimited budget and all venues had an outdoor space to use but majority of venues don't have that and the majority of venues don't have the budget and they don't mm. have the infrastructure to to, to to do anything to do with testing on site you know all of these things yeah. would do, yeah. come, do come at a cost and you know to say you know but you know a standard kind of air conditioning unit for example for our basement we've been quoted before was like 15-20 grand, I yeah, think yeah, it, was. Yeah, so yeah. it was. like to get that, and then you know, the testing machine, if you want one on site, that's another 20 grand. It's like the yeah. need staff and stuff like that. It's like, do you I know I what I mean? Think, we've already have been closed for I
2: think as well as yeah, but, but on, yeah, on the one hand, you can look at that, but then we could also look at the amount of money they spent shutting us all down, right? For for, for a long period of time. And would that money if, if, if we get to a point where we're kind of coming into a summer and we really need to look at these as long term solutions, you know, like not something that's okay, we'll pay your rent for another X amount of months while we go through another lockdown, but actually, how do we learn to deal with things, you know, that are coming up, the next coronavirus, like bat flu, dog flu, cat flu, whatever it's going to be, you know, we need to start thinking about more long term solutions. And I totally agree. That when it comes to grassroots venues, grassroots clubs up and down the country it's the government you should be footing the bill for that not the mm. clubs themselves.
3: Yeah I'm, I'm, I don't know like what um, how quickly there's lots of things I don't know about this pilot um, which I should know but I don't because we're working with the useless government so that's my excuse here why <laughs> I don't know the answer to these questions but I want to <laughs> know how quickly are we how, are the scientists going to take the learnings from next weekend and, and feed that back into the industry and I hope yeah. that well in fact I'm going to try my very best to make sure that the media that are coming in are asking that question so yeah. To the points where we can actually try and make a bit of a difference so it's not just this beautiful moment on dance floor which you know I'm very keen myself to, to experience but why are we doing it what is the purpose of it how quickly can we take that information how quickly can we pass it on to everybody else that we represent in the industry and all the other clubs and venues up and down the country you know what what is that turnaround time and that's something that i will be encouraging media to ask that will then be printed in their articles that are featured in the news coverage that comes on the back of what we're doing so good we're, we're trying to think we're always as a business trying to think about what's the point of what we're doing Yes, is it booking seats on, you know, booking tables or, or is it trying to get a message across to people and, and help, the whole purpose of this is to get that information and to feed it back out. So I'll be trying my best to find out, you know, how quickly we can get that feedback and the, the research back to everybody in order for us to open properly.
1: Yeah, I think it, you made a very good point there. And I think it's really important for you Also to pressure them to do that because you're in that position actually, where you can ask them what's going to happen with these findings, or you can ask them where those findings are, so you can diffuse it. (laughs) You're quite powerful now, so you can get that information. (laughs)
3: You would like to send me a list of um, questions that you think that media should be asking to. The scientist or to the venue, feel free to throw my way. You know, I'm happy to do that. You know, I want to make sure that we we maximise this moment on on every single opportunity. But it was like going back to the call that I had with the government. You know, they wanted they said to me, "Oh, we want to get the science message across," and I said, "Okay, have you got a scientist for me on site?" Then and they went, "Well, that's a good idea." (laughs) Yeah,
1: you see, see, this is almost where the the government and it's a bit of a tricky subject here because depending on your political leanings you probably wouldn't be interested in in working with the government but they need they really do need a consultant in between the events industry and them who knows what they're saying who can ask those questions and can push them to um you know develop whatever or or find whatever information they they need and send it back out there and that person could actually be you would you work as a consultant for the government help them out please well
3: i'm definitely not a tory that's for sure but i did Boris Johnson a few times to say look would you like some help because what what was sending me under like last <laughs> year? because the, the way that the papers work and the media work is that you you have an embargoed press release that goes to the journalist on the day, and it and it, if it's going to make the headline news for the next day's paper at ten o'clock, all the uh, news titled look at next day's papers. Yeah. You find out what's happening at ten o'clock for the next day. So I got sick and tired of having an already very very stressful, you know, terribly sort of stressful day, just trying to relax, thinking, right, I'll go to bed now. Oh, but I'll just see what the news is saying. Oh, right, that's next day paper. So that's another restriction. That's a table of six. That's a scotch egg or whatever the yeah. hell happened to be. And that would then, basically, you know, I, I would not sleep because I knew that the, the the first thing that I would be dealing with the next day was dealing with that. Mm. So I got very frustrated and I did t- t- tweet them a few times, but I I definitely wouldn't wouldn't rep, rep, represent Boris Johnson, not if he was the last client on, on Earth. <laughs>
1: That was a very diplomatic way of answering that question. Yeah, but you're right.
3: There must be someone who's not as bothered
2: as I am. <laughs> he could do with PR help do it. at the moment.
0: Yeah. Getting a, li- getting a list of questions together in this forum or in sort of getting people here to put a set of questions to these guys sounds like a great idea. Um, yeah. And yeah, let, let us know.
1: One of the things I'm actually scared about, you know, because with every light positive thought, the balance is, what's the negative in this? And the negative is that the scientists could use those findings to say, why not? Yeah. In the wrong way, it, yeah. not, why not have a party book? <laughs> this is why you're not, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. we are they going to use those hot points to say, this is why it can't happen, or are they going to use those hot points to say, this is how we can help it to happen? And yeah, that's actually,
3: yeah you, to- you are totally right, because when you put yourself out there, you don't really know what the outcome is always going to mm. be. But what I would hope, and again, I'm, I am no expert on this, but with the vaccination programme running as successfully as it is, mm-hmm. with the test the, the the way that we're trying to get the industry reopened, those two forces together should mean that we can get back to some sort of normality, i.e. dancing on in a sweaty dance floor by June 21st, because the two things should really complement each other. If one was happening without the other, I would feel a lot less confident. But mm. I think the science and the vaccination, plus the learning and the testing, plus the, you know, countrywide requirement and, and, and want to get back to enjoyment and experience and connection and, and doing all those things, I I, I hope that all of those I hope everything lines up and we're good to go for the 21st of June. Um I, that's that's what I that's why I hope. And I've been extremely positive throughout everything. There have been days where I thought, this is this, I can't even I can't even do this anymore. But but there is a there is a good feeling, I think, and I'm just gonna we'll just keep riding it and yeah, I think it's gonna be all right.
1: Yeah, I, it's interesting because in the last weekend, I've done maybe, last two weekends, I've done four gigs, four socially distanced gigs. And the feeling, at first I was nervous about going into the environment, you know, because I, like everyone else, has been on lockdown and very serious about it and masks and washing hands and you know I live on my own I wash my hands maybe 12 times a day it's like no one else has been in your house so I was nervous about it but then the feeling of relief is palpable and I really do think if this rave in Liverpool goes well it is going to be a fantastic summer but people just really do have to behave themselves between now and then.
3: And, you know, I think as well, like one of the, one of the worries that I have is that um, the, with this break of 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 raves and, and live music, that the next generation, the youngsters that would have fallen upon these things naturally because they would have been happening mm. all around them, you know, coming to Manchester as a student or somebody, your friends saying, oh, I went to this rave, it was amazing. Like, because we've not had that, I'm worried and this is the genuine concern across everything that people there's going to be a misgeneration of people who will experience that and we're going to have to actually really encourage them to be able to see how good it is because my personal story is that I've met all my best friends on the dance floor I've met my husband mm. on the dance floor I've met you know everything has been around music and but somebody some, somewhere somewhere along the line somebody said to me you should go to that it's great so we mm. need to make sure there's enough people still saying go to that it's great so i don't think we i think we need to sort of do educate these 18 17 18 19 year olds to help them get onto this this amazing ride because that's what i'm worried that covid might have done and will be of just a lost generation of people who will ever experience what we have experienced
1: yeah and certainly on the backhand of that is when rishi sunak and the government is saying that certain careers aren't viable this is where i also thought they shot themselves in the foot because in the one breath they're asking students to come back to university but what percentage of those students were art students creatives who would have gone back to into any one of our industries who will have been sitting there thinking oh I was going to train to be a museum curator I'm paying nine grand a year for my studies and actually my job's not viable, or I wanted to work as a sound engineer or wanted to be a violinist or something. But actually, the government is saying I should work in IT. Why should I continue with yeah. my degree as it stands? Because you've just told me that in three years' time I could be out of work. Yeah. yeah mm. that and that's where I think the government have really shot themselves in the foot. Yeah,
3: I agree. There's going to have to be, it is, it's not going to go, it's like hospitality. So, What's happened this last couple of weeks um, is that lots of my clients have looked after their staff on furlough. And, you know, furlough is great, but it still costs the business an amount of money to keep someone on furlough. So they've looked after all of their um, staff. And then two weeks before opening, when they've said, right, we're ready to go back to work. Are you good to come back. They said, oh, sorry, we're not coming back now. So been, there's been teams of people that have disappeared, whether mm. they're home or they've got a different job or yep. they've passed the industry. Who actually left my clients in the lurch just before they're about to open? Mm. It's been a real shift, and you know, this there's a there's a there's a gap. And there's a gap in the market now for people to want to do those types of jobs. So that's the problem. Actually, we need to get people back to wanting to go out and back to being able to work within the industry to facilitate that.
0: I think yeah, now would be a good time to take any questions from um, our audience if they have any. I actually have a a, a question that somebody asked earlier, which um, I thought of when you were talking about the 21st of June. Um so someone was asking about the kind of explosion of activity that's happened in the past like with Berlin in 1989 after a long period of time without any kind of liberty or ability to go out and party and then this massive cultural movement kind of explodes after it. Are you guys expecting something explosive, something culturally revolutionary like how big could if it all goes to plan the summer of 2021 be second
1: summer of love, loads of babies next year
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think you know yeah i think i i definitely <laughs> think there's something there because um i think what's key with a lot of these moments in history and the way they uh connect with music and culture is not just um like say in berlin you have the kind of it's, 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 it's to do with the politics of what's going on as well. Mm-hmm. And I think actually people are looking at things in a very different light than they were maybe before the pandemic. You know, I think um, a lot of, let's just take for example, a lot of what's um, for some reason being termed Tory sleaze, but really it's just corruption, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed to be the norm. for for years you know david cameron getting in so on or texting each other and this and that it was the norm but in this moment where um you know we're not going out and so on and and so i think that there's been an unprecedented kind of like spotlight on that and sometimes in i think what you need is in to create these kind of cultural revolutions or musical revolutions is like a combination of um the political circumstances being right, as well as the ability and spaces in order for people to kind of um, create communities and express themselves. So I think you need those two things in combination. And we've got one at the moment in the sense that I think people are paying a lot of attention to what's going on politically in a way, like Paulette said earlier, like in a way that maybe they might not have been before. And what we're, we're missing and we're waiting for now is the spaces in order for them people to it to express that and create new cultural musical movements
3: and and meet and meet yeah yeah on the dance floor or at the bar or you know that having that having their own kind of their own thoughts and feelings about how things should be being able to chat to somebody and connect with someone to share Mm. that and to
1: demonstrate which they've been trying to stop. So, like all of these things, all those developments, for, for good or and for bad, are going to make a difference as to how we come through this and how positively we can come through this.
0: Yeah. How does it feel now, thinking about that stuff? Like, how does it feel for you guys as um, potentially the the accommodators of? these these feelings and this movement and this uh this this reaction emotional and cultural reaction does are you still a bit like uh not sure it's going to happen or are you like no this is absolutely the most exciting thing
1: can you I mean be a mixture go? of both <laughs>
0: yeah yeah <laughs> go on, go on anton yeah
4: i feel like uh for myself it's a, it's a real sense of excitement i mean the club. Since we've been closed down, we, we've put everything into making sure that we're going to have like the best customer experience possible. You know, we've done some structural work to the main room, which we never would have um, had the opportunity to do, which just involved closing it down for a number of weeks. Um, every square inch of it's had a lick of paint. Like the toilets don't even smell, which is like you know we're known for having having smelly toilets. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I've like, been you know, yeah I was to say something. Honestly, I'm, I'm 100% confident that when people re-enter the, the club, they're going to have a great time. And I just can't wait to see all the things that have been mentioned with, you know, people hugging, you know, mm. kissing, holding hands, doing whatever it is that they need to do to have that expression because it's really, really important. And it kind of ties in with what I said at the very start of this conversation where I said that it's um, the sense and source of my uh, confidence in, in our sort of reception back, uh, connecting with our customers and asking them to start buying tickets again is basically it's based on the fact that I know that people need what we offer basically mm. you know the government don't understand that they probably mm. don't seem to understand that they've obviously misjudged that um which has been covered already but you know I feel like the um the, the sort of sense of needing that release at the end of the week and to sort of connect with people is something that is built within all of us and you know clubbing might not be your release maybe it's running maybe it's going to the gym maybe it's doing something but for the people who've chosen clubbing and that's their thing you know, I've, I've, I've got no doubt in, in my mind that those people are raring to go and raring to get back to it. And word will spread about how good it is from those guys. And then that will go to the generation who maybe missed out for a year. But luckily for me, I've got a brother who's like 19. He, he turned 18 um, on the 8th of April uh, last year. And so he just missed out of being legally able to go into the club. So he's gone through the oh, whole experience of, you know, what really, you know, exactly. So <laughs> by about three weeks as well. So yeah, he, he was like <laughs> raring to go. He's like, yeah, we'll come down to hit him, we'll Ouch. do this. I'm like, yeah, of course, I'll put you on guest list, all this stuff. And, you know, he ended up missing out on that. So I know that from the way out, he's speaking with his mates and, you know, they're all mad, mad, mad keen to get back involved to experience things for the first time. So yeah, honestly, I'm feeling really confident. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm as excited as those people are to open the doors and to get to get started yeah. to be honest
3: well, that's lovely your brother is not going to know what's hitting money much yeah <laughs> <laughs> well literally he doesn't
4: know. know yeah, he's, yeah. Literally yeah. Got, wow. he's got no perspective really, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly it's
3: like you know um when you go to burghine and i know this is this is like a really terrible idea but i always think it every time i go you know like when you're trying to get to burghine and it's like this big thing and so it's really hard to get in and you're like you're in the queue and maybe you're on the guest list maybe you're not but whatever but you get through the door then you put your coat in the coat room and you, you said you Dead cool about the whole thing, aren't you? Just like, yeah, not speaking to your friend, like, but you're like in and yeah. you're bubbling inside, and then
4: inside, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like that feeling of, yeah, yeah.
3: go to that toilet, you know, the toilet on the ground floor, and then you just go, yeah, yeah. I'm in, and then like, <laughs> like that. And then I think someone should put a camera and film that. Imagine that, like, a collage all day, it's just like pff, the energy goes, yeah. like, that's what <laughs> I think is going to happen. That is I think that burgeon bringing it all inside and then exploding when you gets through to the toilet is, is, is what's going to happen and and that I think I probably cry on a, a week on Friday when I see you will these faces I just be like yes <laughs> what you know what hair so yeah mm. that's what I'm hope I hope to it. I hope everybody in the world experiences what I feel like when I get into the bird and I go to that <laughs> toilet and I'm in I'm like yeah we're off we're off on a good night yeah
1: I really do think that's what's coming. I think it's a brilliant idea, by the way, Gemma. <laughs> it's capturing people when yeah. they like five ten minutes after they've got into that rave is just like <laughs> their faces, <laughs> their faces, because people are going to go absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know,
3: we're, we're allowing we're allowing one pool um, camera in for fifteen minutes just to get some pan shots and everything else will be and and that will that will do we will be able to sort of showcase that but we're going to try and make it as as special and as magical because actually three thousand people then telling all of their friends how amazing it was that's going to be really helpful to getting that younger generation to sort of come Mm. through again are you allowing
1: phones inside the venue are people going to be tweeting and i
3: think so yeah no one told me otherwise um Mm. I think everyone needs their phone because they've got to be able to show that they've got a yeah. test and a ticket and everything. So it won't be like the Bergam where you can't take pictures. But um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be good. So yeah, watch the news a week on Friday. And yeah,
1: so. I <laughs> wish I was. I wish I was.
3: There.
1: I really wish <laughs> I was there. It would be, it's so exciting, though. Honestly, it is because I can't wait to hug my friends. Oh. I really can't wait to hug my friends and I really noticed like at the last stream that I did for La Discotheque, and we were all like socially distanced, inside Freight Island, one dancer there, two meters, another dancer there, but they, I realized when I stepped behind the decks that these were all people that I haven't actually seen or touched or hugged or, you know, said anything to other than online for the last between eight to 14 months. And the feel I burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> I was just so soft that I actually burst into tears because it was just so lovely seeing people. And these are all like people that I really love. So yeah, I can't wait
0: amazing. Um, I was going to ask you guys actually, so we've talked about you know a lot of the structural changes and maybe the way that the um, the format of the events will change as well um, in response to lockdown in response to keeping things safe, but one of the things that has been a real theme of the last years you guys have touched on is to do with politics and also to do with social change and there's been quite a few events that have really stirred public mm. um, conscious and really moved people to mobilise and and protests and lots of industries, including the one that you guys work in, have talked about making making change and doing things differently and being reflective. And whether it's to do with um, the the BLM protests of last summer or the recent conversations we've you know, sadly had to have again about keeping women safe on a night out and What do you think for you guys meaningful change looks like um, moving forward? What would you actually like to see happen now that stuff is opening up? Yeah, I
2: think, I mean, from a like a programming perspective, um, I think um, we really need to look at like take this opportunity as a bit of a reset and think about how we program venues, In order to encourage the kind of diversity that is there in in, in the arts, but I think just often doesn't get the platform that it deserves. But that needs to happen at the same time as having more more change at the top levels of the music industry. So when you have like, um, you know, groups like the live group or the, the major labels, the PRS board. I think that you know there needs to be um, a lot of a lot of movement at, the, at those levels as well, so mm-hmm. it's not just about you know how many women do you have on your festival lineup, but it's also about are the people who are sitting around the tables at the moment at the highest levels who are the ones who are kind of engaging with the government on a regular like weekly if not daily basis, mm-hmm. are they also reflective of what we want the cultural scene to look like, you exactly. know, there's, it, it's a very complicated thing to unpick, mm-hmm. and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. No,
3: I, so, and I and I think it'll take more than a pandemic to do that. To be honest, yeah. you know, you, in an ideal world, we would, we would come, it would, we would come back, and things would be different, and there would be real change. Um, but what I what I'm saying is not that much has changed. Yeah.
1: So
3: I feel this, like- thank you, Gemma. I'm I've made per, on a personal and professional level. I've made some positive gains forward. That me personally, um, and it's taken me a very long time to make those gains. And you know, now I've made them. Like, is that what? I, is this even what I want? But that's just me sort of talking to myself about it. But I don't. I, I, it's going to take more than a pandemic to make a big difference in the music industry. <laughs> this is just the beginning. And if we're clever and we we do we do engage properly and we use this as a starting point, then we can have a change. Yeah. No, if we don't keep the momentum going, it'll just go back to what it was before, and and that's- that, that is sad, actually, because yeah. it is an opportunity for us to make a real difference.
1: But... Well, you just said the key a... thing, though. We have to keep up the momentum. Not... It can't be something that yeah. happened because we all had a year off and had nothing else to talk about. It's got to be, like, we have to sustain that. If If we yeah. believe that those changes need to be made, that belief should be... Consistent yeah. coming out of this as well, so we do yeah. have to yeah. keep up the momentum
3: there has to be more diversity and there has to be uh more people questioning the people at the top saying no yeah. I don't think that's right yeah. um I disagree with that you know sort of having that yeah. and that comes from self belief as you as you develop as a person and have your own beliefs and, and and actually I mean you know what we've done is i've I've actively got rid of clients um This year there's been some and I won't name names but there's been some disgraceful behavior with operators in Manchester which I will not represent because Mm. they are bad for my PR at the end of the day and I think that's actually something that I probably wouldn't have done pre-pandemic so maybe that is a small little bit of change that actually might help with this wave but yeah well it's
1: a supply effect really it is if everybody makes those tiny changes it's becomes the big thing it becomes everybody yeah. yeah really moving forward in the same direction and actually taking on board yeah. the lessons that or everything that we learned in the last year yeah. it means applying everything
2: we're we all desperate we were all desperate to get back to where we wanted yeah. we, we were before but that doesn't mean that we don't have to we should get back to the the things that weren't great about our industry Mm. at the same time you know Mm. but i actually think there's a bit of a me too moment happening within like the world of you know venue and promoters at the moment um you know there's been quite a few news stories over the past you know few weeks alone um and actually in this time where look as a venue right we we've had to We've had to do a lot of changes to the way we operate. We've had to have people greeting people, taking to their seats and, you know, and extra staff to take drink orders and this and that. We fundamentally changed the way our venue works anyway. So what more more can we do in terms of, you know, ensuring a safe night out, for example? We've already made so many changes. So what can we make, you know, a couple more just to, for the sake of, you know, being able to, to make that experience better, you know? I think we have to be really careful that in the rush to get back to what we were. And the same is true with like bookings as well. You know, I think a lot of festivals got a lot of stick, right? Because, and rightly so, to be honest, they came out with like lineups. That was the usual suspects, right? It was like the same old lineup that they'd had previously. And they were like, we'll rebook them, them, them quick. Yeah. Can you do great, great, great. And then put out, put out their lineup poster and then suddenly realize, oh, they've got all their, you know, easy ones in and actually that it's full of straight white men you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> like your um uh, Anton I like the line up for your sixth birthday that looks pretty oh.
4: good thank I'd you th- thanks like yeah you. I've, I've, I've no of course you can yeah <laughs> everyone's welcome everyone on the call yeah you're more than <laughs> more welcome to come it'd be great to see you all in person that'd be nice that um I've always tried to sort of um, be mindful of that and you know we've always made sure that even on our hidden radio we've always got female representation on the, trying to make sure um, but you know despite that there's always room for improvement across every venue every festival that's what everyone needs to do so well and good you know I've I've, I've tried my absolute best to make sure we've got you know inclusion, inclusion of every possible um, marginalised um, group that we you know if we can fit somebody else on there just to sort of give it that added added bit of diversity that's needed and that's always kind of been the case for most but I, I know that with the big festivals people kind of um, tune into that same sort of tired excuse of you know the the mm. the, the biggest the biggest artists are all sort of they, they just so happen to be male but there's a whole chain of things of why they've been been sort of given that status in the first place and that's mm. because the media mm. focus kind of serves them up as these like perfect idea yeah. kind of mm. like this is the main yeah. DJs and it's kind of like you know back into the days of like you know the RA top 100 and you know the other stuff that mm. comes through yeah. from some of the other sort of publications it gives people an idea of what the best djs look like and a lot of people just kind of believe what they're told to a certain extent but i feel like now now for the first time as people sort of been given the opportunity to sort of think more and now that some of those Mm -hmm. things have been removed we've got more venues as well like ourselves that are happy to sort of look at other more interesting ways of presenting people to sort of make sure that that inclusion is there i do i do think there's positive change over the past sort of couple of years and i'm hoping that that change sort of continues into that momentum as you guys have mentioned there just so we don't lose the hard work that's happened I mean from my Mm. point of view it's it's going to be more more so than ever and I know that there's other people I speak to who book um, artists and stuff who are of the same mind so you know know, I hope that that continues and we all get some um, nice positively uh, well-balanced lineups in the future I'm sure we can be.
1: Wouldn't that be a joy? Yeah I mean it is some people are trying anyway you can see that. Yeah, yeah. See you, that. You, guys, see you Who is Sorry, and who yeah. isn't? <laughs> you can really see who is and who isn't. Yeah, no? Exactly. Yeah. 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 People somehow have this block in their head that if they are booking women, it's like the MacGuffin. It's like you know we're only really doing this because we're you know evening out the numbers, and that is rubbish anyway. What people need to look at is. We're all booking talent. We all want to book the best people possibly for our lineup. So we want to book the best women possible for our lineup. It's not like we're, we're we're pulling the short short straw for anyone, we're putting all the long straws in of every single you know marginalized group, if you want to call it marginalized group, but every race, gender possible, and just having a really nice diverse spread of things that. You know, maybe one people have heard and one that they haven't. That's the balance, you know, just keep it fresh.
4: Yeah I, I completely agree and I feel like the value in artists is something that's you know it can be quite subjective you know not everyone is on the same circuit there's new artists that come through mm. all of the time and I feel like the more that people are sort of happy to take risks we're all under the financial this same sort of pressure because you know it is an educated guess you don't know what's going to be around the corner and when you're planning events especially some of the ones that we've, we've been putting together recently we, we try and work like sort of five or six months ahead so to try and guess that far into the distance you can see why people maybe try and go with the safer stuff but it's just it's just about trying to encourage people to take those risks and show mm-hmm. people that there is there is sort of there's enough out there. As you've said, it's not it's not a short straw to pick a woman and anyone who thinks so, <laughs> that 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 is it is a short straw, you know. That's you know, I hope that those people are and in fact you know, it's never the short straw.
1: Women no, have to work ne- ne- never, twice in the,
4: never in the slightest <laughs> no, never in the slightest. Some of the best TJs I think of women are women or non it's amazing people coming through left, right and centre. So you know, mm-hmm. people who have that mindset, that's kind of that's that's their problem, it's their issue. It just it's not an actual indication or a reflection of their talent in terms of balance across any any particular gender if anything it's a bit it's a bit of prejudice on their side so yeah like I say there's there's real positives I think that are to come with the way our things are looking from the people who I've spoken to and long may it continue hopefully we get some nice balance as we go go forward.
1: We
0: Amazing stuff guys um so we're sort of uh we're sort of coming to the end but we can like um just sort of run up with a couple of good questions thinking about the most immediate future. So it'd be great to hear like a bit about what you think people need to do over the next uh, few weeks, maybe now, next couple of months, to support your venues, your organizations, and your industry. If you had to say something to anyone who's listening or watching or joined us today, and anybody who's thinking about how they can help nightlife, what would- uh, Number
1: one rule, no no no-shows yeah, yeah kick that in there like kick that into touch if you book somewhere and you're gonna take a table either if you need to cancel it cancel it ahead of time so somebody else who wants that table can take it don't do the no show thing that's a shit thing to do yeah that's my one thing yeah. if i'm telling people off no no shows
3: yeah and buy tickets to stuff I'm, even yeah still a bit of a doubt um because there is you know we don't know for sure do we yeah, what's gonna sure. happen but i think just keep having faith in the faith that things will go back and that good times are coming and buy tickets so that we can get things kick-started yeah. again because mm-hmm. without the ticket without people buying tickets then there there is no future so that's go to book places and go and have have the faith and Mm-hmm. and just have
1: a really good time and drink eat, eat drink and be as merry as you can be in your group of six for as long as you've got the table just come out you know come out do it gently be safe keep your hands clean wear your mask because you'll all be asked to do that keep socially distanced but come out and have a good time come out and tell your mates and bring your mates and that's yeah then I'll be happy because I will have someone to play to.
2: I've got a (laughs) bit of a different one, actually, which is, I think it's more based at the people who are in the venues or promoters or people who are kind of maybe plugged in like locally, politically, Mm -hmm. is to speak to their local councillors, to speak to like the local politicians, because actually what I'm finding is a lot of councils at the moment are working on nighttime strategies. Or cultural strategies for the local area and are thinking quite carefully about or at least trying to think about how do how do we um we have a recovery from this and actually i think a lot of venues and operators and so on often just you know have this real diy attitude let's get on let's do our own thing we stand on our own two feet and didn't have too much interaction maybe with like the the local political processes that that are governing them. And actually what we're finding is that um, a lot of councils are, because a lot of noise, thankfully, was made around um, uh, venues and operators and nightclubs and so on, and really see that their constituents care a lot about this. So I'd say get involved with your local political process, Mm. make yourself the centerpiece of the, the cultural strategy push your council to come up with a nighttime economy strategy and make yourself the centerpiece of it. Because actually so much can happen locally, um, you know, in terms of, you know, getting, making sure that we recover, you know, properly from this. And Mm -hmm. um, I'd really think that, you know, our sector needs to be more involved in the, the political processes that govern us so that we're not playing catch up and we can be ahead of the ball when this happens again
1: yeah at every level at every level because I know the area I live in I'm in Berry, and between Berry, Whitefield Presswich there are so many little bars and places and uh, that are all just starting to open up and if people support them and and if p- people do write to their RMPs our local council and try and assist and support in that way that you know, it's not it's not a
0: daft move. Mm. And what have you guys got? What have you all got coming up immediately? What you're most excited for putting on, either in terms of a party or in terms of uh, um, stuff that you could ask people to to buy tickets for and check out as soon as uh, as soon as they get the chance.
1: Well, there's one free. I'm working. I've just um, finished curating the talent for the home ground stage for home in Manchester, which is this new event space behind first street. Um, I've booked in 50 DJs (laughs) from the end of, end of May to the beginning of August and every day Monday to Friday, not Saturdays and Sundays, there will be a different DJ on that DJ stage, on the second stage in the home ground events arena. So that's one thing. From the end of May to the beginning of August, check it out. It's free. It's a family space. And there will be some super thick DJs playing on that stage. But you'll have to have a look for the lineup. That
3: sounds. That sounds brilliant. And is that is that on um, the car park behind First Street then? Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were involved in that. That's yeah. Yes.
1: Well, good. Yeah, luck, yeah. I'm just, I mean, I just kind of put it together. the The names are all locked in. They're going to get the contracts, and they will be making an announcement about the lineups for all of that area. I think in the middle of May, so so two weeks before it starts they will be making an announcement for it so there's that and then there's I've got a little six-week residency at um, Escapes Freight Island on Friday nights and this Friday I have got Hugh and Clark playing with me Friday after I've got Kelvin Andrews Friday after that I've got Moody Mank, Friday after that I've got Sally Rogers and for the end of the season or for the end of this little set I've got Ross Allen from NTS and London so I'm really excited about that and that coincides with the opening of the ticket hall at Freight Island which is massively exciting so there you go
3: they I
1: hate talking like about this i'm just so excited about it it's like you've talked about freight island and I, I do say you know there are certain places and people and organizations that have really tried to keep it going you know yeah. don't I, I think what people miss is that we are all and have been all in the same boat we're all worried about our jobs our rent are paying our bills you know some people more than others if they're employing 300 people that they've now got on furlough and they've got to try and keep it going you know so for them to put on a program of events and try and lumber out of this you know whatever this lockdown has represented for them is a massive you know it's a massive achievement so freight island Albert Schloss, you know, United Restream, Badger and Combs, the Hacienda, all these people, the Discotheque, all these people that have really tried hard to keep events, some kind of events going throughout this. I salute every damn one of them, really, you know, and thank them because they've kept me <laughs> on the right side of sane for the last 14 <laughs> months. <laughs>
0: um anton and harker i don't know if you guys just want to sort of share quickly with whatever you've got um you're really excited about um putting on soon and you you want to sort of direct people to to get tickets for or anything yeah
4: so um in terms of um hidden we've got the reopens which are parts one and two now they're sold out on the 21st and 22nd of june we're working on a part three at the moment and then there's some. um, um it- internal and external events that we've currently got live including the sixth birthday that's in august wow. um yeah that's that's more or less that's they're the they're the key things at the minute Hid, that hidden was the first club on. i went
0: to when i moved to manchester uh wow. six years ago yeah it'll be
4: yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah so no, be, that uh, was that I, was the
4: very beginning
0: so six years yeah, ago
2: i, like, I remember yeah, when it opened like, yeah yeah, yeah what about um, you, we've got um we've actually got an art exhibition um which is a bit different for us it's um it's called super cool drawing machine and it's made up of um different musicians who've obviously not been able to tour much over the past year and they've got um they've put together an art exhibition of um like actual kind of artwork that they've been doing over the over the kind of past year or so and that's kind of touring around the country so i think that's the first thing we open with as soon as indoor hospitality can open again and then we're doing a handful of socially distanced gigs um, really looking forward to also playing at freight islands part of manchester jazz festival but um thing i'm looking forward to the most is just being able to put on um some parties like with our residents you know like just 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 for the locals really um, no big name DJs just, just our residents and we're just kind of waiting to see fingers crossed uh, yeah we'll be able to do that in um, early summer amazing well, we will honestly...
1: we will dance together again I swear <laughs> we'll be fine I'm channeling some positive juju <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's exactly that sort of optimism that has got us all through the last year Thanks a lot for listening back to the recording of our special panel event, uh, Culture Matters Nightlife. Thanks a lot to all of our panellists who attended, uh, DJ Paulette, Gemma Crisco, Anton Stevenson, and Harcourt uh, It was a fascinating conversation, and it's given us a lot of food for thought uh, moving forward with reopening the nightlife industry and beyond. To find out what all of our panellists are getting up to over the coming months, and to support them, please head to all of their social media channels and buy tickets to their events. You can also head to our social media or the State of the Arts website to keep up to date with all the most exciting art and culture projects happening across the North. Thanks again for listening and we hope you enjoyed another episode of the State of the Arts podcast.